The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to this show, Heart Health Radio, with Dr. Franklin Weefall. Hi. We are here today. We are ready to rock and roll. We've got a bunch of stories. Uh, we have stumbled into a weird part of the world. I hadn't anticipated this would happen. A weird situation where John Stewart is suddenly the voice of reason. Uh, I, how did that happen? I I think it's just been that kind of a year. I mean, is there some kind of food he's eating? Because if so, I want to feed it to a <laughs> lot of people. Um, listen, we used to have a Lyme disease vaccine. We don't now. Yeah, and it's very interesting what happened to it. And I, I, I didn't even remember it. It came out in the 90s and was very effective. And then it got destroyed. It's a hot summer. It already is a hot summer. It's going to be terrible. And we're going to talk about how to stay cool. And listen, If you don't listen to anything today, listen to what we say. <laughs> I'm serious. It could save your life. Okay. It could save your life. All right. Because it's going to be hot. Yes. Hot, hot, hot. All right. Dr. Fauci said this week. Yeah, I, you know, I know we has... said we were going to be Fauci free, but it, it's too important to be Fauci free. This is what Dr. Fauci said. Even though you lean towards feeling that this is more likely a natural occurrence, we always felt that you've got to keep an open mind. All of us. We didn't get up and start announcing it, but we've always said keep an open mind and continue to look. So I think it's a bit of a distortion to say that we deliberately suppress that. This is about the, the Wuhan lab yeah. Leak. Have you ever have you ever been in a scream room? No. Yeah, it's a padded room. <laughs> so you can bounce off the walls, but you can also scream at the top of your sure, lungs. Sure, sure. I, I feel like I need to visit that room right now. Yeah. Because it was, I mean, his emails said, you know, this is ridiculous. And then the guy who was involved uh, with the... Uh, nonprofit that he gave the money to that yeah, yeah. leaked over to the Wuhan lab even congratulated him on kiboshing the whole concept that it was uh, a leak from the lab. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's a bald-faced liar. And uh, I mean, what is he thinking? Is he thinking that people won't remember? A, you know, a, a lot uh, it of just people... drives me crazy. He was the number one guy saying it had to be a natural occurrence, it couldn't have been from the lab, and now he's claiming he was open to that all the time. And uh, I don't know what to say, he except that it's uses, just nuts. He uses the royal we. If you if you notice, he said, well, we always thought. you know." Yeah. We, well, we, because yeah. remember, if, if he said if you criticize Fauci, yes. you're criticizing science. Right, right. I'm not criticizing science. Let's, let's go over... 
you know, the the reason uh, why we think it's the Wuhan okay. Institute. Can we can we have this prefaced by famous virologist John Stewart? Uh, you know what? Uh, whatever John Stewart is eating and <laughs> changing his brain. This is what he said. Yeah. What, what, what do you mean by that? Do you mean like oh, so there's, perhaps a, there's, there's a chance that this was created in a lab, there's an investigation? A chance? Well, but I, so, I, 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 oh my if God. there's evidence, I'd love to hear it. There's I just don't a know. novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask? The Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. <laughs> the disease is the same name as the lab. That's just, that's just a little too weird, don't you think? And then they I, ask I, those scientists, they're like, how did this... So wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan Respiratory Coronavirus Lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. See, and you're like, no. The mo- they call it Occam's razor. You, yeah. you know this. Well, Occam's most- razor says that the most simple right. explanation yeah. has to be right. Sure. And everybody says, well, you know, the problem is we grew up in the last 20 years was CSI. Yeah. Okay, yeah. the only way you can prove something is if you have DNA evidence that absolutely points to the murderer. Yes. That's not true. Circumstantial evidence, especially when it's overwhelming, okay, is definitely something that would be uh, proven in court or used to prove something in court. What's your what's your chain of evidence? Okay, here? so natural, let's go over the evidence for natural. Yeah. Uh, it occurs in bats. Yes. Uh, it occurs in bats, okay. and uh, it occurs in bats. I think you said that before. Well, that's the whole point. That's it? Okay, so where is the bat getting to the human? Tell me. Oh, it had to be through an intermediate animal. Where's the intermediate animal? Well, we think it was from the meat market. Okay, which one? Well, you know, it... it I, uh, probably from the meat market. I mean, they have no evidence all right. that it came from a natural source. So well, about- all viruses come from natural sources. Now, what's the evidence for the lab? Yeah. The lab was studying the virus. The DNA yep. of the coronavirus contains a sequence. And I'll just say it, It's it, if you're not a biochemist, but the, the DNA and the RNA, it's an RNA virus, has a sequence of... Chemicals, A, C, G, or T. And the three-letter code makes the protein. Well, there is a sequence, C, C, G, C, C, C. And it is in the coronavirus. Guess where else it's found in nature? I have no idea. Nowhere. Really? Nowhere, yeah. And and this is uh, what David Baltimore, and David Baltimore I know actually personally, from my previous uh, incarnation as a molecular biologist, when he's a Nobel Prize winner. Yeah. He pointed this out, that this sequence of uh, letters found in the RNA structure of the coronavirus did not occur in nature. And also is a signature of genetically manipulated organisms because they have to splice themselves in. Anyway, you know, he got criticized roundly because, you know, he's part of the part of the whole scientific thing that yes. previously was debunking it. OK. And he said it was the smoking gun. And oh, my gosh, he got phone calls from his buddies from Harvard and all these MIT and all these other places saying, how can you do this? How can you go against, 
you know, the left-wing science uh, contingent. Yeah. So he, he walked, they, now they claim he walked back. Okay, this is what the press is saying. He doesn't believe that anymore. No, he still believes it. But he said, I wish I hadn't used the term smoking gun. So okay. what should we call it? Uh, incontrovertible evidence? Sure. Or smoking gun? Now, the other thing is, okay, the lab scientists all got sick. Way back in, was it October, November? Yeah, there is that. Five of them in the hospital. Guess what they had? Respiratory illness with fever and got real sick. Yeah. Okay, and then what else happened right around that time? I don't know. They barricaded the streets outside of the Wuhan Institute. Yeah. All the cell phones got turned out, and it was shut down. Okay? Now, what's the other piece of evidence? The other piece of evidence is that they studied it there. And they were looking at it there. There were no bats. That, wait, wait, they think there might have been some bats there, but they didn't get out. At least yeah. they say they didn't get out. Yeah. The evidence, like I said in October, and no, I'm sorry, April of 2020. Yes. We played that back. We, I thought then, and I think now, it came from the lab. Now, do I think it was developed as a weapon? I don't know. I don't have evidence that it was developed as a weapon, except that the Chinese military had scientists in the Wuhan lab studying the coronavirus. That's That's a fact. Right. I would hate to think that they were doing that. I mean, I would absolutely hate to think. Because what would you think and what would Americans think if it did turn out? And again, I'm not saying it did. That it was a military bioweapon that escaped. Oops. 600,000 people in the United right. States have died. That's you know right. what that is? That's one in 500 people. Now, think about that. Yes. One in 500 people in the United States of America has died of the coronavirus. Wow. And we've had, what's now, what, 100 million infections, I think? It's unbelievable. And okay. What are Ass- we going to do? Assuming you lost me right about it, the phrase RNA. Okay. Our, you want me to explain it? No, no. Oh, we, come on! If, if you explained you went, everything, you did high school biology. Oh, if, wait a minute, wait. That was back in the fifties when biology was about ducks and was, cats and dogs. We've right? learned a lot about biology now, uh, but yeah. but let's. Is it is it necessary or worthwhile for somebody somewhere to fiddle around with dangerous diseases? Well, I, let me tell you the scary thing. Yeah. It's happening all over the world. Okay. They're, they're, they're trying to revive smallpox. Yeah. You know, it's, smallpox has been, is the one disease that has been, according to all the country's scientists, eradicated. Right. Eradicated. Gone. Well, guess what? The labs are bringing it back. Why? Uh, it's fun to study. And yeah. just imagine all these things going on all over the world right now. With, they're trying to create dangerous, dangerous bacteria and viruses. Why? Well, we want to be able to kill them later. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yes. <laughs> they didn't exist before, so yes. now you want to create them so you can kill them later. I think, you know, have you ever heard of the mad scientist? Yes. Remember? Yes. They're mad scientists. It's like you trying to create heart disease so you can cure it. Right. Doesn't make any sense. Can we talk well, about we, heart disease we, we today? We can do that in mice. Uh, you know, is it? Oh, wait a minute, PETA. Every please now, don't call PETA. Every now and then, Dr. Weefold sends me an article about 
they're, they're treating obesity in mice using this special chemical. And I always text him back, oh, thank goodness, because we lose too many mice. Yeah. Through the di- through diabetes and, and heart disease. Yeah, they're fat as all get it's out. Just, it's just good. Well, listen, we've got, we've got a lot more to talk about, including your phone calls. Telephone number is 919-860-9783. Between noon and 2 every Saturday, we are Heart Health Radio. Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com. Doctor, we called who we I hate to be a dead horse. Yeah. Um, But I'm going to talk. If anybody's sick of me talking about the Wuhan, I'm going to talk about it just for a little bit. (laughs) Um, Alina Chan, postdoctoral associate at the Broad Institute at MIT and Harvard. Yes. One of 18 experts who signed a letter in May. Um, demanding that the Wuhan lab leak theory be investigated. Well, here's the oh, problem. Yeah. What did she say last year? That it was racist and had been debunked that the Wuhan lab was the source. And why, now she's admitting why she said that. You know why? Because she wanted to defeat President Trump, who had oh. been in favor of it. Oh, well, who, who didn't, really? And NPR yeah. finally admitted it. Yeah. That it it was something quote unquote we need to look into, yeah. and I don't know if you realize this, but Facebook and um, uh, Twitter yes had actually banned the mention of the Wuhan lab leak theory right until a month ago or even less, and so uh, I'm going to make Weefy's rule yes okay the Weefy rule of medical information Weefy rule number is, one is. If the mainstream press uses these this language, uh, that theory is racist and has been debunked. Okay. If you hear that, that theory is racist and has been debunked. The theory has to be true. Okay. <laughs> has to be true. Including all debunked yeah, where racist did come, theories? Did you tell me where this word debunked came from. Uh, you you seem to know. Uh, the the word bunkum, like that's bunk, yeah. right? That's a lie. Yeah. Actually comes in relation to Buncom County. What's wrong with Buncom County? I don't know, but it, it uh, did. If you're listening on the Truth Network and oh. you live in Buncom County, we are not insulting you. No, we're not. Skip in Raleigh, thank you very much for calling. How you doing? Thanks for taking. I'm doing great. Uh, Dr. Weefold, by the way, the other uh, um, uh, axiom I learned in my training was uh, when you hear hoofbeats, think horses. My patient with a fever probably does not have dengue fever. I'm just uh, saying, you know, and, and, unless. So here's the question. Sure. And this is, let me preface it by saying this is not a setup. I promise. This is a question I've heard, and I'd like to get your take on it regarding covid vaccines sure um there's at least the um the word out that some uh as part of if not development testing used fetal cell lines that came from aborted fetuses and and i have friends who have an ethical dilemma with sure and that is a very good question because uh, especially among catholics uh the resistance to 
um, some of the vaccines. And I'm not going to name them because I don't want somebody to say. No, nor did gonna, I. Yeah, I'm not going to name which, fire, which vaccine it was. Um, but uh, it's not a direct connection. In other words, they did not use fetal tissue itself to make the vaccine. But they used a derivative technique, if you understand what I'm saying. So there isn't any uh, protein or DNA or fat that came from a fetal aborted, excuse me, an aborted fetus. I had to be very careful what I say here. But uh, you can trace back the technique to um, aborted fetal stem cell tissue. So this, this was brought up with the Pope. Yeah. It was. And would the Pope um, tell Catholics not to get this particular vaccine? And, you know, the Pope said it's okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, I am treading uh, water. I'm walking the tightrope here. I personally, knowing how this happened, how the techniques behind it, I'm sorry. I'm kind of tripping over myself because I want to be careful. I don't think that you can say it was developed from uh, aborted fetus tissue, fetal tissue. Uh, the, cat, the, the Catholics uh, were told that they could use this vaccine or get this vaccine. Does that make that sense? Sounds great. Sounds like a yeah. very reasonable answer. Yeah, thank I, you, Skip. I, I appreciate it. And, and you know, um, it is a problematic thing. And and I, I remember when right. Ronald Reagan's son was saying, "We need fetal, you know, stem cell research right, in order to right. save all." Do you know they can all the Sort of research now in stem cells are coming from adult stem cells. You can take right. stem cells from the skin and turn them into any kind of tissue you want. There's no reason to use fetal stem cells. There's no reason. Thank you, Skip. Great phone call. Um, in 1820, the North Carolina representative Felix Walker was preparing <laughs> to speak in front of the U.S. Congress. And it was supposed to be a re- it was going to be a really big long speech. They tried to talk him out of it, and he said, "I quote, I'm not speaking to Congress. I'm speaking to Buncom." <laughs> okay, now we figured it out. And it and it, he meant Buncom County, North Carolina, famous. But what's what is in that county? What is in Buncom County? Oh, I'm sorry, that's. I'll look it up. You know up. what? I think it's the center of the universe right now. It, yes. Yes, it I is. bet they got great doctors in Buncombe I'm County. sure they do. Listen, we used to have a Lyme disease vaccine. Yeah. Why do we not have one now? Well, you know, let me tell you, Lyme disease is a big deal. Um, I see patients with it all the time. And chronic Lyme disease is real. I know that there were a lot of physicians who said chronic Lyme disease is not real because I get a Lyme disease test and it's negative. Well, guess what? The Lyme disease tests have huge numbers of false negativity. I've had four or five. And in order to get a positive, you know, reliable test, you have to take the blood and you have to measure the word that you don't like, DNA and RNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just don't understand them. They developed, yeah, in the 90s, they developed a Lyme vaccine. And it worked. I mean, it got approved by the Food and Drug Administration. It reduced your risk of getting Lyme. Guess what it was called? Lyme Ricks. Okay. L-Y-M-E-R-I-X. Now, do you know the there history? There once of was a guy from Lime Ricks, yeah. And so here's the problem. 
You know what the CDC advisory committee said? No. It's a yuppie vaccine. Hardly anybody gets Lyme disease. It's a disease of rich people. And this is even before AOC came on board. Right, right. Anyway, they said it's for suburbanites who will pay a lot of money for their Nikes and Esprit and shop at L.L. Bean. And they travel to Cape Cod. I hate to say it. Lyme disease is huge in North Carolina. Yeah. It's huge in Iowa. It's even huge in California. It's the it comes reason, from deer ticks. The reason we don't we, check we don't for shoot ticks. Bambi anymore. Okay, we're not allowed to shoot Bambi. Yes, I mean there are some places in New York where the biggest car accident cause is hitting a deer. Yeah, because they can't kill them anyway. So they made this vaccine, and it was pretty cool. Uh, it didn't work the same as other vaccines. What it did was, when the tick bit you, it rushed into the tick's gut this stuff, yeah, and killed the bacteria in the tick's gut. Yeah. Weird. Anyway, the FDA had claimed, or had, had in the studies, had shown certain side effects, okay? And these were borne out in the tens of thousands of people who got the vaccine and who were studied. Unfortunately, some lawyers got together and sued the company saying there are these adverse effects. Now, what did the company do that a lot of companies do that's a fatal mistake? Uh, They settled. Okay. And they settled without admitting guilt in saying that we don't want to have to deal with this anymore. So basically, they took it off the market eventually because they couldn't sell it anymore. I think we need to bring it back. And I hope that they do because... I'm telling you, know the cardiovascular problems with Lyme disease? You can get a cardiomyopathy where your heart gets weak. Yeah. The most dramatic case I saw um, about 15 years ago, I was called to put a pacemaker in. Yes. A 27-year-old man. His heart had blocked off. It's called complete heart block. So the electrical signal from the top part of the heart wasn't getting to the bottom part of the heart. So the bottom part was only beating 20 beats a minute because it had a backup you know, pacemaker in the bottom part, very slow. Yeah. I looked at him and I said, are you a hunter? He says, yeah, yeah, I used to hunt before I got this. And I said, let me ask you a question. You bit by a tick? No. Well, the Lyme disease ticks are the side of a pinhead. Did you have a rash? He says, I got one now. And Uh, he pulls up his his shirt. It's a bullseye. It's called erythema migrans. And it starts as a little thing and goes in a bullseye. Anyway, I gave him antibiotics, gave him steroids. Good. Heart block went away. Good. Asheville is in Buncombe County. Asheville? And so is Black Mountain. Wow. This is Heart Health Radio. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. This is making your, uh, this is Heart Health Radio. I Uh-oh. forgot what Joe was doing. Well, you're making your heart healthy. You were about <laughs> to say that. Yeah. The Heart Health Radio Network, Dr. Franklin Weefald, Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News. And Rose, you've got an article on the website we're puzzling over. It says, the doctor won't see your newborn, n- newborn now. What is this? Ah. Uh, this is a uh, um, uh, this is a story that we ran from one of our partner organizations, right? Um, and it's that 
uh, in some places, you know, there is um, a shortage enough of doctors that they're using nurse practitioners to um, to see new moms and uh, take care of, of sick babies. Is, is this in the hospital or in the office or both? No, this is at Lake Norman Regional Hospital. Wow. Wow. Well, it's a, you know, listen, a healthy one, I can understand. Um, and I love nurse practitioners. Uh, and I think that the whole, you know, and physician's assistants. And I think the focus on the newborn baby is uh, restricted enough in terms of what you got to look for that I think, I don't know, I think that'd be okay with that. If, if I had a newborn again, I'm too old. But if I had a newborn again, and it was a nurse <laughs> practitioner who was experienced in that, I don't think I'd be upset. What, what do you think, Rose? Tell me. Well, I mean, the data show, I mean, there's been a lot of study about uh, what, are, what are called advanced practice um, nurses, or APRNs is the, mm-hmm. the, the acronym that gets used. And there's a lot of data out there. It's been studied the, for <laughs> decades now, and that the standard of care, is the, the level of care is as good um, in a lot of you know, primary care settings as the, as that of a physician. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, there's, you know, there's a big conflict uh, between docs and nurses and I could sort of weigh into that, which I'm not gonna, but um, you know, I think part of it is that there is a a worry about, you know, market and stuff like that. But the reality is that the, the data all show that um, NPs do a pretty good job, especially in primary care. So it's it's limited. And then, you know, in some states, we do not allow this. You have to have a a physician supervisor. But in some states, instead of having that physician, quote-unquote, supervision, which in North Carolina doesn't mean that the supervisor actually has to be there. Oh, yeah, I know that's true. Let me tell you, and I'm going to say this right now, if Tara Bush is listening, um... She was my nurse practitioner. Oh, yeah. And for, gosh, 15 years. She's the best cardiologist, of course, besides me, ha, 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 the best cardiologist I knew. Um, Mm -hmm. I would trust her with my heart. And so I I think like anything else, there are good doctors and there are bad doctors. And I think if you can get a hold of a good PA in that field and a good nurse practitioner, they're good as gold. You know, I went to the ER for something simple about a month ago. And uh, and I actually ended up going to urgent care after that about a week later. Okay, this is for my knee. Oh yeah, I rolled a car. By over the way, my did, that, knee. did that heal? Uh, yeah, sort of. It's sort of, kind of. But here's the thing: I actually ended up seeing either a PA <laughs> or some other, you know, in the ER. Yeah. Saw a PA, and then went to urgent care, which was an orthopedic urgent care, and saw someone who was not a doctor. Uh-huh. And then I went back to the ER because uh-huh. I wasn't sure I had the best care ever. Right. It turned out I did. Yeah. Well, it's like anything else. I mean, I, I, I have had patients who come back from evaluation by a physician's assistant, right. and you know they miss something. And, of course, I've had patients come back from a doctor. And they miss something. So and they miss something. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that you got a good PA and a good a physician's assistant and a good nurse practitioner, and I think you you're okay. I think your baby's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that's been suggested 
um, to maybe get around the sort of the impasse between doctors and nurses, you know, and APRNs in North mm-hmm. Carolina is this idea of a of a, a an APRN residency. So when these advanced practice nurses graduate from their their uh, master's level programs, for the most part, um, some some people have a doctoral level program, but they graduate from these master's level programs, and then you work directly in a practice for like two years before you can go out and hang out a shingle. And I think that's something that's um, gaining, you know, support. Yeah, like um, a residency, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's a great so, idea. All right. Well, yeah. listen, I, I've got Mike and Carrie, who's uh, champing at the bit. Rose, I want everybody to go to NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org and check it out today. It's a great Thank you. website. All right. Thank you, Rose. Thank you, fellas. Good to talk to you. All right. You God too. God bless. Mike and Carrie, welcome to the radio program. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. Uh, where I like to ask the doctor about uh, Eloquest as a blood center. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's costing us 253 a month copay. Wow. It's and, really uh, expensive. Let me. Can I ask you a private question? What kind of insurance do you have? Uh, it's my wife's prescription. She's on Medicare. Okay. Does she, what's the Part D? Do you do you know? It's that's the Medicare prescription plan. It, yeah, and it, she's on. She's got Part D. Yeah. Is it Humana, Blue Cross Blue Shield? Um, do you know what it is? Because I can tell Blue, you, Blue Blue Cross. Okay. Let me tell you what. Did your doctor get a prior authorization on this? Must have, right? And then they still said it was two hundred dollars as a copay. Is that? Yeah. Am I hearing you right? Okay. What is this? A Pixaban is the generic name. Eloquist. It's a great medicine. You have to take it twice a day. And it works differently from warfarin. Warfarin affects all these different proteins. Apixaban or Eliquis affects one. And it keeps you from clotting. Does your wife have AFib? Is that what it is? Uh, no, she had uh, she had a blood clot in her leg okay. that, they, that they needed to dissolve. Yeah, deep venous thrombosis. And uh, how long do they want her to stay on it? A long time, forever, or just a short time? Well, she's... She's in her third month now. They want her to go at least six months, okay. and then they're going to check. All right. There's, there's something that they don't tell you about Eliquis. The company's actually pretty good about helping people. And um, did they give you a free one-month sample when you started? Yes. Okay. Did you call that? Did you have to activate it or not activate it? We the activated car. it. Okay. Did you, and here's the thing that drives me crazy is that if you had asked them, can you help me get it cheaper? Ah. They would have done it. But unfortunately, the FDA rule is they can't offer. You have to ask. So do you still have that card? <laughs> yes, yes. Call that number. Well, call the number again. Yeah. And say, I activated my card, but this crazy cardiologist on the radio told me that if I ask you to help me get it cheaper, you would help me. Now, there are some individuals they can't help. Um, it has to do with how much money you make. It has to do whether you have commercial insurance. And you know, If you had commercial insurance, if yeah. you were 50, yeah. you'd pay $5. Yeah. But since you're Medicare, they can't give you the same discounts because they disallowed it. But there are programs that are sponsored by the company and also through Medicare, and they can guide you with that. 
Now, there's a second way you can get helped on this. And unfortunately, the powers that be in medicine are trying to squash this. And that's called samples from your doctor. So I am independent. Um, I'm not ruled by anybody. Uh, (laughs) Some people think I should be. (laughs) But I get samples. And I get tons of samples. And there are people who are going to be on it for a short term, and they're in the donut hole, which means they have to pay for everything. Yeah. And I can help them uh, by giving them free medicine. That is, I don't pay for it, but I get it free, so right. I give it to you for free. Now, if your doctor is employed by, say, Duke or UNC, they're not allowed to get samples. Sure. Because the whole concept is, is that you're bribing patients to spend you know, big dollars on medicines. So there's two ways. One way is to call that same number that you activated your card with. And specifically, you can tell them, hey, I've already activated my card, but I want to know how I can get it less expensively. Right. They'll help you. Or you can find a doctor who still takes samples, and they'll give you some. As long as you're supposed to be on it, they'll give you some. Makes sense, Mike. Wonderful advice. Thank you. Hey, and listen, tell your wife we're pulling for no more clots, okay? Yeah, very good. All right, God bless. All right, so there's something in the news says, uh, I've forgotten where it's from, but it says worst foods for folks with heart disease. Yeah, and so this came out, I saw it on Facebook. Yeah. And it's actually pretty good. And so this is something that I want to say. Um, there's good stuff on Facebook, and there's bad stuff on yes, Facebook. Yes, there is. Yes. And um, they're starting now to really get into the Weefy rule number two, which is if it's white, it ain't right. And I'm talking about <laughs> food. Now, we've talked before, white flour, uh-huh. uh, sugar, yeah. white potatoes, and white rice. Yeah. And why is that? Those compounds are broken down into simple sugars. And in individuals with a genetic predisposition, those simple sugars are turned into fat. Yes. Those simple sugars cause inflammation. We don't quite understand why it activates the immune system, but it does. Inflammation leads to heart attacks. The inside of your arteries get all messed up and red and they, they clot. And it used to be thought by dietitians that you have a... Um, a sausage biscuit, right? Yeah, yeah. Throw away the sausage, eat the biscuit. Yeah. Now, oh, yeah. throw away the biscuit, eat the sausage. Now, don't eat a lot of sausage because it has, uh, if you're hypertensive. Right. But what I'm trying to say is they're coming around now. And so the worst foods to eat if heart disease runs in your family used to be, you know, um, fat. Right. And anything with right. f- meat in it. And now, look at this. First one. Yeah. Ice cream. Yeah, now, I don't eat ice cream. I mean, I love ice cream. Yeah. They talk a little bit about the fat in ice cream, and ah, it's the sugar, okay? Okay. So this is correct. If you read this article, I'm going to tell you what's correct and why. Yeah. Second thing. What? As my daughters would say, za. Pizza. Pizza. Now, yeah. why is pizza not good? Because of the crust. Okay, right. That's made out of white flour. You can get whole grain pizza now. Yes, I'm sure it's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> it's called uh, it's called on a shingle. <laughs> yes. I want, I want some whole grain pizza. Yeah, okay. Anyway. <laughs> then the third thing, 
amazingly, is candy. Now, that's true. Sure. Because, again, it's sugar. Now, alcohol, alcohols are converted to sugar. They do have some sugars. Um, I would say one drink a day, okay? Maybe, if it's whiskey, maybe two. <laughs> but <laughs> limit your alcohol intake. Good. Um, sugary cereals. Okay? Of course. I love sugary cereals. I grew up with Frosted Flakes. You remember Quisp? Oh, my God. Oh yes, Quisp. All right, now here's one I disagree with. Okay, <laughs> number six, where we got five out of six right. Yeah. Red meat. No way. There is all sorts of evidence that people who eat red meat have no, just, you know, red meat by itself. Right. Have no greater incidences. The problem is these studies did not separate out people who ate a lot of red meat who also ate a lot of simple carbs. Right. You know, they had the meat plus, plus yes, yes. Okay. And the bread. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sugary drinks. All right. We talked about that. So Sugary this, drinks. Now, here's something I agree with. What? So this means that a steak, since we don't typically put it on a burger bun, yeah. a steak is better for you than a hamburger Heck on yeah. the bun? Okay. If, uh, I love Whoppers. Yes. Uh, the Whopper, to me... Is part of the fried food groups, you know. If you want to eat a Whopper, yeah, throw away the bun. Yeah, you get a knife and fork. You'll get the same taste. The well, problem just... is people are used to eating burgers because that texture of the bun, yeah, adds to the experience. Yeah, throw away the bun, eat that Whopper. Okay. Anyway, yeah. uh, eggs. I disagree with that. Eat all the eggs you want. Good. Okay. Thank eat them you. all. Deli meat. Now I sort of agree with this. Um, there is some evidence that processed meat uh, can have some chemicals in it that might hurt you. Um, but the main reason is for those with high blood pressure. Right. There's too much salt. Now, remember, there are people in this world with low blood pressure. I treat them. In fact, it's so frustrating for physicians that many of them don't even take patients with low blood pressure. You could have a normal blood pressure sitting and standing right. and it falls. Guess what they should eat more than anything else? Salt. Salt. Salt is only bad for you if you have high blood pressure or borderline high blood pressure because yeah. that borderline with too much salt could become high blood pressure. Sure. But if your blood pressure is low, salt is not bad for you. So deli meat, yeah. Now, I'm going to say I almost agree with fried foods because most fried foods have what on the outside? Breading. Batter. Yeah. Which is, which is made out of flour. So this was a really good article because it's changed. Um, before, the American Heart Association would just talk about meat and fat. Right. And now they're getting it. The enemy is sugar, white flour, white potatoes, and white rice. My mother in heaven, please don't be mad at me. You're turning down rice. Rice, which was – and the interesting thing is, you know, in, in Japan, they eat a whole ton of rice. Sure. And – they smoke like chimneys. And? Their heart disease risk is slightly lower than ours. Wow. So, okay. what does that mean? I don't know. Genetics are the most important thing. You knew. <laughs> You're trying to make me look smart. You the could important. have said, I'm Dave Alexander, <laughs> and I knew the answer to that question. No, no. See, this is so often when he points to me and says, you know what that means? I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, he does. He's, just, he's smarter than the average just, bear. These long-chain hydrocarbons are going to clog up your molecules. <laughs> and you know what that means? And I'll say, no, 
I don't. All right. Listen, we're going to pick up with Dave and Garner in just a moment. There's an article with the the title, Don't Be Rude to Your Doctor, It Could Kill You. That's coming up on Heart Health Radio. Well, you know you make me want to so kick my heels up and so throw my hands up and so throw my Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network, who we shout out today. Carl, Carl Weaver. Um, Carl is has been a patient of mine for about 15, 16 years. I met him when he had his first heart attack. Yeah. Um, nobody in his family has uh, lived as long as Carl. They've got the gene or the genes. Yeah. for blocking. He's got leg blockages. He's had heart blockages. He's had a bunch of stents. And, you know, the thing is, his heart muscle is still as strong as it ever was. And why is that? Because we've caught it in time. Now, his his sugar is perfect. Yeah. His cholesterol is low. His blood pressure is perfect. He's been maintained on medications, and he still blocks up. But what this means is you can fight the genetics by doing the right thing. And in the future, we may find out how to block it. The interesting thing is he had a headache, and nobody would do an MRI because it's just a headache. Yeah. And he had a brain tumor. And you know, I've never, listen, I've been, I went to John Hopkins, as I say, John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins, (laughs) and Duke and Princeton, and I'd never heard of this. He had a hunk of cholesterol on the outside of his brain, a uh, cholesterol tumor. Now think of that. Anyway, I, we got that cut out. I've never heard and, of that. Yeah, he's about to go and have uh, his legs looked at and his heart looked at again. Yeah. And Carl, we love you. And you're a prime example of how you can keep on keeping on. Right. And you know, Carl gets frustrated because why me? And I, you know what I tell him? Yeah. Why not you? I mean, the rain falls on the just and the unjust, and Carl's a definitely a just kind of guy. And it's we're just going to keep, you know, keep whittling away and keep the 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 powers that be that right. make your heart bad. We're gonna we're gonna keep them away. Do you remember the story of the Mir space station? Yeah, the Russians built it, and toward the end of its life, individual systems were failing. And then they'd fix it, and then something else would fail. The Russians actually had to come out and say, uh, they had to, their press people came out and said, it is not falling apart. It is merely breaking one piece at a time. (laughs) Okay? Yeah. Carl, I'm with you. This is the way I live my life. It's it's called Fix It Again, Tony. (laughs) That's right. All right. Dave and Garner, welcome to Heart Health Radio. Hey, uh, is this the Dave Ramon? Yeah, you're on. Okay, okay. I had um, I had COVID in around New Year's. Yes, a little before, or after, and uh, my taste. Oh, the way I found out I had it was I was eating bojangles. And I thought, well, I don't taste oh. any seasoning, and it was loaded with seasoning. So, wow. Uh, so, and it's gotten worse. Uh, last things I could taste were peanut butter, and. Um, Orange peels, you know, right? Like you get orange peel chicken, right? And and you now, and so you have, had COVID when? People. I'm sorry, I have one smell. I have one smell, zero right. taste. Right. Okay. And so. when did you have COVID? When did you get over it? 
well, I'm not over it. I think I'm a case back. Really? <laughs> well, I'm, uh, what were the initial symptoms? Were respiratory? Is that right? Did you have, were you pretty sick or not that sick? I just got, I felt like I had the chills for Uh-huh. Okay. So you had a good immune system and it didn't overinflate. Now, I mean, did you know that smell is a huge part of taste? They work together. Yeah. And so there's two types of problems with COVID and taste. One is that you can't smell very well. And number two is that very rarely your taste buds get affected on your tongue. Now, does it recover? Yeah. Um, I've heard six, seven months. Now, here's what you can do to tell if it's your snozz or your tongue. And then is get some coffee. You know, nowadays coffee comes in those little packets. So you, I love the smell of coffee. Yeah. And when I was in med school, we had to carry around a little vial of coffee because we had to test cranial nerve two, which yeah. is the olfactory nerve. And so coffee was, you close your eyes, ma'am. What do you smell? And it's coffee. So no, I don't smell it. I, I've tried. My wife, we've tried everything. Essential oils. Um, so you can smell good when you pump gas. You can smell good. No, I can't smell. I okay, can't so smell that's the reason why you can't taste. Okay, so it's going to take a while because your um, your olfactory nerve, which sits right there in your nasal passages, was damaged. And I, I don't know if you've ever known people have their arms chopped off, right? And they get their arm reattached. And the reason why that surgery is so miraculous is they actually reattach the nerves, okay? There's a sheath that they have to find and reattach. The nerve grows down the arm, and it usually takes about six months for every foot. So I would suspect that your schnoz is going to come back in a month or so, maybe two months. And I don't think, you know, exercising your nose <laughs> is going to be any good. But just think of it this way. That's right. You know. And the other thing is they do know that, you know, spicy foods are more well tolerated when you've had a COVID taste problem. So just, just hang in there. Uh, it's going to come back, I think. Yeah, it says that about, you said about spicy. I hate garlic. Uh, I absolutely hate it. And uh, I ordered a pizza while we were traveling, but you just said not to eat. But that's uh-huh. Yeah. And and I ate it, and my wife said, how's the pizza? And I'm like, well, I really can't taste it, but it looks like it's good. Yeah. And she says, it is loaded with garlic. And wow. think very bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, well, you know, there's one good thing about all that garlic you had. Yeah. Is that the vampires will stay away. <laughs> yeah. Dave, good luck to you. Good luck. And at, let's let's uh, stop and smell the roses. Okay. I enjoy your program. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed your uh, calling. Thank you. All right. So the article says, don't read rude to your doctor because it might kill you. Uh, really? Real quick. Um, you know, they weren't really talking about being rude. Um, one of the things they, they talked about in this article is you come in and say, doc, I think I have this. Yeah. And you shouldn't do that. Uh, in fact, I tell my patients, stop. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know what you think you have. Oh, I yeah, want to yeah. hear your story. Yeah. And they did a study, and, and especially medical students, when you tell them what you think they have, they focus on that and they don't think anything else. Oh, okay. So that's why it could kill you. Um, right. And don't try to diagnose yourself when you go in the doctor. Don't tell them what you think you have. You don't have to prove you're smart. A good doctor wants to hear your story. And this is Heart Health Radio, another hour coming up. 
Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor. The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. And you can listen to this show on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com or just keep listening to the station. Yeah. That's, that's the most effective way, really, yeah. to, to listen to it. There's nothing like live radio. All right. We're on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Phil in Raleigh, thank you very much for calling. How you doing, Phil? Yeah. Yes. Good afternoon. I afternoon. have a question for the doctor, please. Sure. Sure. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had a endarctectomy. Um, basically, they, they, they cleaned out my carotid. Oh, carotid endarterectomy. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes. And it was discovered with a neck x-ray because, in southern terms, I, I had a chronic crick in my neck, as you would say. Yeah, and, and 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 they picked up the calcium, and, yeah. and you know that led to an ultrasound and MRI and then surgery. Sure, but so one side was ninety percent blocked, and the other side zero percent. And yeah. I, I don't really expect you to have a, a an answer or, or solution, but why would I be almost blocked on one side and not the other side? Very good question. So, for example, when somebody has a heart blockage, yeah, and they got one blockage in the widowmaker, and the rest of the arteries are clear. The way cholesterol builds up is kind of funny. Um, you get an injury to the artery, and that can be a minor injury, or it can be an internal injury, like the artery twists, and there's something called the intima, or the endothelium, and it covers the inside and makes it smooth. So you get a little rent in it, and then you start repairing it, and it starts laying down cholesterol. So injuries to the arteries can be relatively random. I mean, you know, you can get one there, you can get another one, yeah. you, you know, whatever. And it's not uncommon at all to have a really bad blockage in one artery, and then really kind of nothing in the other artery. Now, remember also, that when we talk about blockages, um, you can have a 20% blockage and you really can't discover it because all the imaging techniques we have aren't sensitive enough to pick it up. So you might have some cholesterol in the other artery and then on the other side, you might have what we call ruptured the plaque. So you had maybe a 40% blockage and there was some you know, overactivity of the immune cells and it kind of cracked the outside like a chocolate-covered cherry and you broke the chocolate a little bit spilled out. That can make the blockage suddenly get worse because it clots. And then once it clots, if it hasn't clotted all the way, it kind of heals itself and smooths over and you still have a bad blockage. But 
Did they offer you to have a stent put in uh, instead of having surgery? No, actually, the the vascular surgeon yeah. uh, said that. Actually, he basically replumbed me. He said he said yeah. I had a funny curve in my yeah. carotid. Well, I was going to tell that. you that I would never get a stent in my carotid artery. No. No. And I know there's a lot of cardiologists out there who are going to rag on me. But if you got a good surgeon, yeah. And I, surgeons are some better than others. It's foolproof. I mean, I've sent some uh, 200 patients to a guy named uh, Chaudhry, yeah. uh, who is semi-retarded weight med. Do you know how many I had as stroke? Zero. And, you know, in, in normal hands, it's expected that four people will have a stroke after carotid surgery. So if you have a good surgeon, clean that artery out. And you know what they do? They yeah. open up your neck. They clamp it off. They clamp above the blockage. and yeah. clamp. Now, what happens to your brain? They put a little tube around it, like 70 bypass. Yeah. And that tube carries the blood around it. They open up the artery, and they shell it out. I oh, mean, it's man. actually like they shell out the cholesterol, and then they clean it out and make sure that it's all nice and smooth. They sew it back up. And then they open up the clamps, take out the shunt. Sounds like you did pretty good, huh? Well, he, he the the surgeon said it was, in, in his words, the it, it was spongy like plaque. He yeah. said I was I was I was about to have a stroke. Right, and so that's what I think may have happened. You may have had a forty percent blockage, and then it it got messed up. It got inflamed and and grew. From a clot, so the spongy stuff is really important. Do you want to say you want to shout out your surgeon and give him a pat on the back? Uh, yeah, it, I think it was a Dr. Kim, uh, K I M, uh, an Asian name, and, yeah. and he was with Rex. Rex, Rex okay, group. yeah, I don't, I don't know of that doctor, but hey, we'll shout him out anyway because he did a great job on you. And and he did, and uh, I thought I would be double smart since i had you know a hundred you know more blood going to my brain but that yeah. doesn't seem to happen it's not gonna yeah. work well Phil, i got the same is, thing going on yeah and and then here's the thing that we, uh, we want to tell you if listeners out there we used to think that if it got to 70 percent, and that means the diameter yeah of the vessel is 70 percent restricted that you just had to have surgery yeah we know that's not true now if you have symptoms, so you're stuttering your speech and, and you're getting weak, then yes, because that means the plaque is about to cause a stroke. We don't do this surgery now, or we don't recommend it, until it's 90% blocked, because then the surgery is better at reducing the risk of stroke than medicine. Right. What's your cholesterol? Is he there? Phil, do you know your cholesterol number? I don't have it. All right. That's all right. This is but the it, number it, it, I want it, you to know. I'm, I'm on a stat. And I'm yeah. On a stat well, here's the thing that I want you to know. What used to be normal is still too high. So yeah. if you, this is just came out, okay, about the last few months. My LDL was 178, hugely high. And I had a blockage in my neck um, that was about 25%. My LDL now and a combination of medications is 11. I'm serious. It went from 178 to yeah. 11. My plaque is going away. What we you. know now 
is that it can't be too low. And so, Phil, I want you to find out your number. And if the if somebody says 90, and yeah. that's okay because it's below 100, we now have a target below 50. And well, one of the reasons why I'm saying this is you grew that plaque on that one side. You don't want to grow a plaque in your heart or on the other side of your neck. So there may be reasons why you can't get down to 50 or below, but we now know that that's the target for somebody like you and me because we're in the same boat. We had blockages build up in our neck, and you don't want them to grow, and you don't want them to come back. Phil, thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, have a great, great day. All right, here's a real treat. Shorty from Selma. Hey. Hi. Hi, Shorty. How are you? Hey, Shorty. You there, baby? She wandered away from her phone. It'll take her six seconds I'm to good. get over. Hey, good. Talk to us, Shorty. How are you feeling these days? Let me, let me get away from this phone. Yes. Okay. I, I feel better today. A little stiff. Yes. But um, I went to uh, Carter... Thursday. What did he, he say? Dr. Carter's a surgeon. Shorty had a, a uh, lung cancer, and she's getting he fixed. Good. And I perk himself, and he said, uh, I had a stitch. I told him I had a stitch in my port. And he said, no, you don't. I said, I, I've got something sticking in me. And he did. He said, look. And so he looked, and, and it was. <laughs> and he said it was uh, the tail end of the, the tail of the stitch. Okay. And so he took that out. Oh, my so gosh. He did say I could drive, and so, I don't have to come back to him until uh, my treatments are over. And, and so right what are you getting now, Dr. Dr. Anderson's giving you what now? What? How are they treating the rest of this cancer? I think what they're going to do is uh, the first one, we're going to have the radiation and the chemo at the same time. Okay. Well, the we're, first time, I guess. But um, Michelle, Lily, and and there's two of us, believe it or not. And he, um, she called me yesterday and said that it may change, but right now they're going to do the chemo and the radiation. Well, you're gonna you're gonna get the best medical care. Shorty is a um, darling woman, yeah. and she's been my patient. Her her uh, real name is Lily Langston, and. Shorty's had AFib, got fixed. She yeah. had heart block, got a pacemaker. Yeah. She had breast cancer, got fixed. And she had a lump that we originally thought was her thyroid. It turned out to be a uh, cancer growing out of her lung. Oh got my. that cut. And now she's going to get chemo and radiation. And well, you forgot one. What's that? Shorty had long COVID. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Oh, God, yeah, forever. I forgot. Well, listen, God is on your side. Absolutely. And we're going to get you better. God bless you, Shorty. Shorty, thank you. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Thank you. I forgot it was Father's Day tomorrow. Father's Day. Thank you, Shorty. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, Shorty. Bless you. Sweet lady. Sweet lady. Incredible. Uh, You know what? Face to face. No, you got to meet Shorty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know why they call her Shorty, don't you? I assume she's tall. No. No? But she's not. You know, the funny thing is, is she's not that short. No, no. 
Well, yeah. So I was calling her Lily for God knows how long. <laughs> and then she finally says, that we found, I'm shorty. And shorty. I said, you don't look that short. <laughs> you know? So We've got Steve in Kerry. Let's pick up with Steve. How you doing? What's going on, yeah. Steve? What can yeah, we do well. for you? Oh, well, I just want to make an announcement. Yes. Uh, I would like to tell all the listeners that uh, uh, metastatic colon cancer is a 100% preventable disease. Absolutely. Very good. People, if you're out there and you're 50 years plus and you've got some cancer in your background, I don't care what kind it is, get your colonoscopy. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. A thousand percent. Colon cancer. And, you know, a lot of people are afraid to get their colonoscopy because of the prep. I mean, I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah. It's seawater prep. And there are new preps out. And I want people to know that ask your GI doctor if you can do the Gatorade Miralax prep. Because okay. it's like drinking a bunch of Gatorade. Um, it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. I had a colonoscopy when I was 50. I had three polyps. Yeah. Had another one when I was 55. I had another one when I was 60. Because I kept having polyps. Yeah. But the last one was clear. And uh, one of the problems is that it's starting to come in young people, um, people who haven't hit 50 yet. Right. So a lot of them, most of them have symptoms. And what are the symptoms that you should go see somebody about? Change in bowel habits. So okay. you've been you know, real regular and all of a sudden you're either constipated or you're um, having diarrhea. The other thing is black, tarry-looking bowel movements. That can be a sign that blood is getting into your colon. It can also be a sign that you have an ulcer. Go see your doctor about that. Um, tenesmus. That's a feeling you got to poop, but there's yeah. no poop there. Yeah. So I say thank you for making this uh, point. Um, don't ignore your just, bowels. Just one more thing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I would like to tell people who are afraid of the procedure. Yeah. It's the nice, wonderful feeling after you get from the uh, drug that puts you to sleep. Propofol. You want to do it. Propofol. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. It, make sure that you go to somebody who's going to anesthetize you. Okay. Yes. I mean, I've seen some torturous, you know, back in the day when oh I was my. a resident, you know, they were afraid to put you down. And I mean, it was like torture, um, putting that big tube in your rear end. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah, I had propofol. When you had, you had a colonoscopy, right, Dave? We, we've talked about this. Oh, I've that's been right. putting it off. Propofol is fantastic. It's yeah. this uh, Michael yeah. Jackson juice, it's and it's a white liquid that goes into your arm. I'll never forget, I was looking up at the nurse, Yeah. and I was about to say, I love, uh, and my wife, you know, you went I wanted to say I love you because <laughs> she was so pretty, and I would have gotten slapped, but, and then I woke up. No, I didn't feel any side effects from the anesthesia. Right. I've had it four, three times now. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, you, get Steve. your colonoscopy and um, and have at it. You remember when Katie Couric had a uh, an exam? She live. had a colonoscopy live and in person. Yeah. Live and in person. We're going to do that for the radio show, for my colonoscopy. And what we're going to do is have Tony Rigsby from the sports department do a play-by-play, as as if it's a sporting event. How about sound effects? With sound effects and everything, crowd noise, and everything. That'll they'll be on this show, yeah. Heart Health Radio, on the Heart Health Radio Network.
Heart Health Radio. And even though in the Raleigh area we're not having a huge heat wave. Not yet. Across the country, it's just been yeah, incredible. It, it, you know what the temperature was in Palm Springs yesterday? No, 123 degrees Fahrenheit. 123? Yeah, and you know the West Coast is getting it, but we're all going to get it. And yeah. I can't say enough how important it is to keep cool. Yeah. And we're going to see a lot of deaths. I, I know it because uh, especially the elderly, they, their temperature regulation is just, it, that's one of the things that happens with aging. Yeah. You got to know how to stay cool. All right. Let's talk about it. If you're going to garden, great. Do it early in the morning right. or late in the afternoon. Wear white. You know, the guys, the, what is it? The, the, the bad guys had black hats and the good guys wore the white hats. The black <laughs> will absorb heat. Right. It will make you hotter. Now, wear loose-fitting white clothing. Um, That will reflect the heat, and it will keep um, you cool because of the way it is, reflecting the heat. Mm -hmm. You don't want to just be, you know, um, uh, wearing as little as possible. Wear something billowy that's white. Why do you think the Bedouins in the desert would wear white Right. Long clothing because it reflects the sun okay. and keeps your heat. I mean, keeps you cool. Now, drinking fluids is really important, but it will not keep you cool. Sweating is our mechanism for staying cool because the water evaporates, and that chemistry is that when it evaporates and goes to a gaseous state, it takes yeah. heat away. Yeah. That's not going to keep you cool. In fact, if you're sweating in the outside, it means you're overheated. This is the weefy way. I got a Mountain Dew can. Yeah. It's ice cold. Right. You want to cool your blood off. You want to refrigerate your body. How do you do that? You put it up to your neck. The carotid artery, which we just talked about in the last segment, and the jugular vein are high levels of blood flow. Right. And if you put that can there... You're going to start cooling your blood. You can drop your temperature by a full degree in one minute. And so you hold it on your neck. Yeah. You'll, you'll, in the brain, when it gets overheated, it makes you feel the worst, okay, obviously. Right. right. You'll feel that nice, cool, comforting feeling in your brain almost right away. Now, just alternate sides every 10, 15 seconds. Right. And that will prevent you from getting heat stroke. Now, what is heat stroke? If you feel yourself getting very dizzy, if you stop urinating, and if you've been sweating and suddenly stop sweating, right? call 911. Heat stroke can kill you. And if you are seeing somebody you think has heat stroke, right? grab a cold can, grab some ice, put it on the neck, and also in the crease by the groin because that's where the femoral artery is. But also drink fluid. But remember, putting cold water in your stomach is not going to cool you down. The neck. Put a cold can on your neck, and you'll keep yourself from getting heat stroke. I knew this thing about drinking cold water would not it would not work because yeah. you know they people will tell you, well, you know, the body is so many percentage right water. Do you know the what the percentage is? About 90% so, water. Right, 90% water. So imagine you're, what if you're 100% water? You're just a container with water. 
that'd be a lot of water, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. If you pour 12 ounces of a cold beverage in that warm water, yeah. that's not going to do you anything cool to cool blood. you down. Here's something that's really cool. Next time you're outside and you're hot, yeah. put your hand on your tummy. Okay. It's going to be cold. It's the weirdest thing in the world. And the reason why is that your body diverts blood flow from your gut yeah. to your areas that sweat. Sure. So this is really cool. If you're out running and everything, put your hand on your belly. It's okay. cold. It's cold. And that's why when you drink fluids, they're not going to cool you off because the blood flows are already constricted to the stomach because right. it's going to your other parts of your body. Please put the can on your neck. Okay. We'll do it. There is somebody who says that they can diagnose brain tumors from a urine test. Now, some people would automatically think that I'm going to say that's fake news. Guess what? It's real news. And I think this is something that's going to be more and more. Now, what happens when you have a brain tumor? We talked about this before. RNA. That is a chemical that helps blood cell, any kind of cell, produce protein. Okay. Well, there are certain crazy bad mRNAs in brain tumors. Mm-hmm. They're microscopic. They come out into the bloodstream and they get peed out. You wouldn't believe what's in pee. Okay, it's just amazing. I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. But these micro RNAs get into your pee. So this guy developed nanotechnology. I, you talk about you don't understand stuff. I yeah. don't understand nanotechnology. Okay. All right. Little teeny weeny pieces of carbon that are coated with all these chemicals, and it grabs a hold of that micro RNA that coming out coming out of the brain tumor, and lights up uh, the test. It says, right. you got it." It's you know that's how dogs can tell you got cancer. Right. It's these microscopic, you know, particles in the air coming out of your breath and in your pee. It's and, what your body produces, produces because you have cancer. The cancer. Yeah. So you, div- you have a positive test and you know you got a brain tumor. Now, this is not just going to be limited to brain tumors. It's going to be everywhere. Yeah. You may go to the doctor one day and he may say, he or she, don't tell me what's wrong. Just yeah, pee just in the cup. Pee in the cup. All right. yeah. I got a joke about that, but you can't say it on the air. I'm gonna. <laughs> I've got my work cut out for me because during the the news, I'm going to describe and explain nanotechnology to the doctor. Oh, okay. Here. Yeah. This awesome. is Heart Health Radio. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Doctor Weefald? Call nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. This is Heart Health Radio. Call us up right now. Dr. Weefall, love to talk to you. 919-860-9783. We have three stories about three athletes. Athletes. Well, and also a horse. We're going to talk about a horse. Oh, and a horse. Okay. A horse is a horse. Of course, of course. Talk to me. Let's let's start well, with I, the... I think that Shelby Houlihan, who yes. is a wonderful person. Yes. And a wonderful athlete. Okay. I think is I think is being wronged. Um, she has now been banned because nandrolone showed up in her urine test. Yeah. Now, what is nandrolone? Nandrolone is a very bizarre and weird um, anabolic steroid that helps muscle growth. It mm-hmm. occurs in nature. Okay. And who has a lot of it? I don't know. Pigs. Okay. okay. So you eat pork. Yeah. Nandrolone very well may show up in your urine. So here's a lady... 
who's been competing for years, right. never had a positive drug test, right, and then has a positive drug test for nandrolone, and she says, I've never taken this stuff. She has two tests afterwards that are negative. Yeah. And they still threw her out. Now, you know where she got it from? She had a pork taco the night before she had her urine test. So they went back to the pork truck, I guess, food truck. <laughs> they took some pork out of it, and it tested positive for nandrolone. So you know what we talked about before with the Wuhan lab theory? It's called circumstantial evidence. Right. If it looks like a pig mm-hmm. and it has nandrolone like a pig, it's a pig, not Shelby Houlihan. Right. And I think she's being wronged. And I think the you know whoever the powers that be in the United States Athletic Association yeah. should get her back in the game because she had a pork taco for God's sake. She's not a cheater. No. You know, I, you know, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, as one who has been wrongly accused on yeah. several occasions, uh-huh. you got to look at the whole picture and say, does it make sense that she who who won all these things and got to be an Olympic caliber right. athlete without a positive drug screen right. suddenly has one and then afterwards doesn't have one? And the, she claimed it was a pork taco, and there was nandrolone in the pork on the food truck. Okay. So I think, Shelby, if you're listening, yeah, right, we love you and yeah. we believe you. Okay. All Who right. else? Christian Erickson. Uh, my my uh, son-in-law, well, my future son-in-law and my son-in-law are huge football yeah. fans. And so football is what they say in Europe. We call it soccer. So I'll just say soccer because that's what people are going to know. So Christian Erickson was a great, is a great soccer player. Mm -hmm. And he was running and kicking and heading the ball. And he felt really strange, walked over to the sideline and collapsed. And then went into cardiac arrest. They brought out, they were doing CPR. Great, great medical care he got. First responders were awesome. They hooked him up to jumper cables, defibrillated him, and he woke up. And he went to the hospital. You know what they could find wrong with him? What? Nothing. Really? Nothing. So this is what happens in that um, you can have a very serious heart condition called long QT syndrome. Now, I'm not diagnosing him because I've never examined him and I don't know. Right. But what we see and I've seen in athletes is that they have this thing with their... Um, it's called a potassium channel or a mm-hmm. sodium channel. The way that the heart has electricity is the sodium potassiums run back and forth outside, inside, and creates electrical current. You can have an abnormal one. And the only time you get in trouble is if you get like a low potassium level. And this guy was running and sweating, and before it never happened, but right. maybe a confluence of things. And he had his heart electricity go totally haywire. So when they shocked him back, he got the electricity going again. So now all they had to do to this guy, there's no medicines to do this. There's no mm-hmm. nothing. And in fact, sometimes you can't even diagnose it because the EKG looks normal except under really stressed out condition. Right. So they put a defibrillator in him, which I think makes sense because you never know when it's going to happen again. Now, would they let him play again? If he were my patient, I'd say yes. Wow. Yeah. Because, I mean, this guy's great. Happened once. Right. You know, it's like, um, you know, what was that movie with Robin Williams? 
Remember the plane crash in his house and his ha- his wife was all yeah, upset? Yeah, g- Garp. Yeah, and you know what he said? Yeah, what well, are this the is chances? Great. <laughs> and she said, why? He says, nah, this will never happen again. <laughs> so the chances of this recurring are probably... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It could happen, but he's yeah. got to keep himself hydrated. He's got to keep those electrolytes where they are, and he's got to see his cardiologist on a regular basis. You know right. why? Now, because they want to see if he's having little blips of this. Um, they can actually monitor his defibrillator remotely, mm-hmm. and it will tell, hey, wait a minute, he's beating irregularly, and they'll be able to see what kind of activities induce it. So, I, I, hey, go cool back idea. to kicking that ball. Very good. Yeah. Who else is on I, the, A very sad story. Yeah. Uh, there's a pitcher at George Mason University, and he got the Tommy John surgery. Now, everybody says, what is that? Well, Tommy John was a really good pitcher, and he blew out his elbow, um, tore this ligament in his elbow, which is, you know, pitching is an unnatural right. uh, occurrence. You know, the um, we, the um, softball pitchers pitch under him. They never get this. Yeah. But they replace the ligament. But they take one out of the other part of your body and, yeah. and replace it. And it takes six months to a year to recover. He got a swollen arm and a clot formed because the blood in the vein of the arm wasn't flowing properly and it broke off, went to his lung and killed him. We all know about the ones in the leg. Got right. a swollen leg after knee surgery. The answer to this, uh, or the, the take home lesson, if you have surgery anywhere on your shoulder, your elbow, your hand, and your arm gets swollen, get it checked out right away. Right. Because it could be what we call a deep venous thrombosis. So the deep vein doesn't have to be a deep vein in your leg. It can be a deep vein in your arm. I it's always, so sad. He had his whole life ahead of him. Right. It's this so was a sad. 20-year-old. Yeah. We hear every now and then about young athletes having this happen that they suddenly die. Yeah. Sudden death in athletes can be a bunch of things. So with Mr. Erickson, and I call him Mr. because I respect mm-hmm. him. He's a great mm-hmm. soccer player. Mm-hmm. This was an electrical, primary electrical problem. Um, and, and, you know, this long QT syndrome happens in people. The second thing that can happen is that you have what's called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Now, it's really hard sometimes to distinguish this because athletes have a very thick, strong heart. And their heart rate can be 40, 35 mm-hmm. beats a minute mm-hmm. because their hearts are so well established. So there was a basketball player uh, at a major university where I used to consult um, who was told that he couldn't play anymore because yeah. he passed. Well, he didn't pass out. He just went to his knees on the basketball court. Yeah. And he had a very thick heart muscle. So automatically they said he had hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which could lead to death from the heart not pumping's right. And here's the great thing, mm. is it didn't quite look like that to some of us. And he was sent to NIH and had a full electrical study by the world's expert in hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. He didn't have it. Right. And he went back and he played in the NBA and now he's a major coach and, and really, really proud of him. It's very hard to diagnose the difference between an athlete's heart say, and a hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. That means hypertrophic means too thick. Cardiomyopathy means the muscle's bad. I want to pick up on that because I want to know your opinion about those little things. You can buy them. They're pulse oximeters. Yeah. 
Okay. They're not very expensive. You yeah. buy them online. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'm seeing it used on me yeah, all I think, the time. I think that they're good for people with bad lungs. So yeah. you're worried that their oxygen level is falling. Right. And they sometimes can be good for trying to diagnose your heart rhythm. Now, right. the reason why, and you got a lot of times people's fingers, um, the way, okay, let's go back. The way that these pulse oximeters work is they actually shine an infrared pulse through your finger. Yes. It doesn't burn you. Sure. <laughs> it just goes through the finger like infrared does, and it's picked up by a sensor. And that change in the infrared going through tells the sensor what the oxygen level is in the finger and therefore in your body. Right. It also can tell the pulse rate. Right. Now, it's very important that you make sure it works because there's a lot of times these things don't work. And I've had patients have the pulse oximeter and they say, wait a minute, instead of going beep, 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 it's going beep, 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 beep. Well, yeah. and it's flashing, okay? Yeah. And then it gives a pulse rate of 120, where it usually has been 60. Right. That is helpful um, because you might have atrial fibrillation from that, an electrical abnormality. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably worthwhile to get if you've had lung problems. Right. Um, I think it's really good if you're on oxygen because of your lung problem. Right. You can test whether the amount of oxygen is enough. Um, but in terms of a healthy, you know, 26-year-old or a healthy 55-year-old, yeah, you can get it. It's very inexpensive, and it can make, you know, 96%. Now, here's the problem. This oxygen saturation could be 98%, which yeah. is really good. That means right. 98% of the blood that can carry oxygen has the oxygen. Okay. But what if it falls to 94% one day? Are you going to panic? The answer is no. Okay? Your oxygen level is going to vary every now and then. Um, but if it falls to 88%, yes. Now, one of the problems is a lot of false readings, false right. positive reading. Right. Could be that you're, you, if you come out of the cold, you know, or put your hands in the refrigerator, yeah. the arteries are going to constrict. So when they constrict, the blood flow decreases, and sometimes a thing will read it as a low oxygen level when it's really not. Right. So, eh, I'm, I'm on the fence about whether regular folks like, well, you're not regular anymore. I'm not regular anymore regular after my surgery. No, no. Yeah. Well, see, here's the thing. Yeah. I will spend 40 minutes on a piece of exercise equipment, mm -hmm. sometimes working, you know, sometimes moving my legs. Sometimes I just sit there, but I'm moving and I put the thing on and I can't score below 98%. That's good. I can't get the thing to record a low well, blood it's oxygen. It's supposed to go up when you exercise. It's supposed to go up? Yeah, because you're utilizing more oxygen, you're breathing more, and the oxygen requirements have gone up because you're exercising and your muscles need more. See, so, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it to go down. Uh, yeah, no. No? No, you don't want that. Well, no, I don't want it to go down. I'm waiting. Yeah, but you don't smoke. Your lungs are good. You know, yeah. I mean, and, and so there's no reason for it to go down. Okay. The heart will not fail you because you have a heart of gold. Uh, 
and I have a pretty healthy heart. It's all the plumbing leading to the heart that's hey. let me down at times. Yeah, but you're going to get your cholesterol down below 50. Right. You're going to finally get your sugar under control. Yeah. You're going to walk. Well, you have a hard time walking because of your feet, but you want to get some aerobic exercise, 40 right. minutes, five times per week. Water walking would be perfect for you. Oh, yes. You know? Yes. You got a pool now? No, I, I would do that. Yeah, I could go in. I get the little foam weights, and I yeah. can I can go in the pool. I can just see you now with you all ju- those ladies at uh, why, Water Aerobics. Why don't you just get I've me? got, hey, we got a, I got an old Speedo <laughs> I'm going to give you. Okay? No, why don't you just buy me a pair of Velcro sneakers and some black socks <laughs> and send me out to the senior center to play pool with the other old guys? I love it. All right. There's an article that says if your politics are right wing, you might not cognitively be all there. What they're trying to say, and this is what kills me, okay? This is political, it's a, the article of political psychology. I yeah. mean, come on. And so what they're trying to say is that if you are a conservative, you are stupid. Now, <laughs> This is what people (laughs) say all the time. They didn't use the word stupid. They say cognitively uh, challenged. Okay. Okay? All right. Well, there you go. Okay. So what they did was, (laughs) listen to this, listen to this, a bat and a ball, this, they had some psychologists and they got liberals together and conservatives together and they asked them this question, a bat and a ball cost $1.10. The bat costs a dollar more than a ball. How much does the ball cost? And, you know, basically, uh, people didn't get it right. And it, the answer is it's a nickel. And I, I wouldn't have got it right. But I'm telling you right now, I graduated summa cum laude from Princeton. Right. I went to Johns Hopkins. And you're a and righty? And Duke. And I'm a conservative. Now, here's the interesting thing. <laughs> I was a diehard liberal right. in high school and in college. Uh-huh. And then I... I, you know, I became a conservative over the over the years. It doesn't mean I got stupid. And so what I'm trying to say is there are smart conservatives. Sure. And there are dumb conservatives. Yes. There are smart liberals. Yes. And there are dumb liberals. Now, there are differences in the MRIs of the brains between liberals and conservatives. Now, at Princeton, yeah. a guy decided to test this out. And he hired an MRI machine and he put a bunch of people through it <laughs> and they had answered a questionnaire. He did not have access to the questionnaire. It was patient 186. Yeah. Are you a liberal or conservative? And so after about 10 people, he said, there's a real difference in this, you know, and he picked them out. It was 86% accurate, which is pretty good. Yeah. And I think that what that means is the 14% were lying. Yeah, it might be. be. You're afraid of what to say. So, yeah, we have differences, but we're not stupid if we have one political belief or another. And I think that it's a shame Mm -hmm. that, and uh, I'm going to say that the liberals are trying to prove this, okay? The liberal, this is a liberal organization that did this study. And, you know, come on, we got to love each other. We got to respect each other's political opinions. And we got to stop. I mean, if you're a conservative, stop calling them racist. Stop calling them stupid. Let's address our problems as adults and let's debate problems without saying you're a racist or you're stupid. I think that whole commentary was racist.
I guess. I think you're. I think I'm going to debunk it. Okay. All right. Weefy's rule number one. Weefy rule number if one if is you're, if somebody calls it a racist theory and they say it's been <laughs> debunked, it has to be true. It has to be true. All right. We'll try it out this week. Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or at HeartHealthRadio.com. We've shouted this person out. You! Let me me tell you, I want everybody to know. What's that? That here's a guy who's got diabetes, high blood pressure, has been through two major heart procedures, Uh and Dave Alexander looks and sounds... Wunderbar. Wait a minute. He looks great. You missed one. And I put my knee underneath a car. My car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ran over my own knee. Yeah. By the way, it's doing fine. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I, I gotta see this. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take off his pants and we're gonna look at his knee. But I wanted to. I'm wearing listen. shorts. I we're gonna take off how, the bandage. How long have you been doing this show? Two years. Yeah. Over two years. Yeah. It is the highlight of my week. It is uh, what I look forward to. And um, before we started on the program, uh, Mike, <laughs> what's Mike's last name? I'm terrible. Uh, set us up. Yes. Yeah, Mike, Mike set Slayman. us up. Yeah. And uh, it's because he thought we would hit it off. Yeah. And I guess he went to Dave. And Well, first he came to see me. And you know, I'm kind of eccentric. I believe in... Uh, emotional support animals. Yes. I think everybody does, but they don't believe necessarily in 180-pound emotionally <laughs> support animals. I'm a Newfoundland guy, and I used to keep my dog, Lebowski, in the office because the patients would love him, and he would come and lick him and stuff like yes. that. Yes. So Mike comes in to talk about you know starting the show, and he, you know, he sees I got a dog. So he goes to Dave, <laughs> and he says, Dave, I think the guy's really smart. But I think he's crazy. <laughs> he's crazy. And Dave goes, why? True story. He's got a huge dog in his medical office. Why do people? People have to understand that Lebowski looks like a bear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really has the physical strength and size of a bear. Now, when I brought him into the show that one day, yes. what was he like? Very nice. Very nice. He sat down in the corner. Licked yes. his paws only. Yeah, ate Mike Raley's hat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, as... Bob in Bob in Raleigh. <laughs> Bob, welcome to the show. How you doing? Um, I'm, you probably shouldn't ask me that. Oh, okay. Bob, welcome to the show. <laughs> welcome. What can we do for you? I got two things. One yeah. is on the statins. Yes. I'll make this as short as I can. Over a relatively lengthy period of time, I've done some experimentation because I got cholesterol problems apparently i have come up with a combination of zedia and crestor perfect that that i take i alternate each day oh that's weird i know well this is very anecdotal at this point of course but my doctor was real because the numbers went from bad to extraordinarily good okay so why do you take them every why do you alternate them 
I'm at the lowest end of the range on LDL and the highest on HDL. Okay. Cholesterol is normally 270s down to 190. Okay. And I'm tickled pink. Yeah. That sounds good to me. I mean, I I don't know. I take them every day. I take both every day. I, I'm not telling you what to do because you got to go with your doctor. Maybe reason. I take Crestor. No. Yeah, I switched. I take Livalo. And the only reason why is, uh, I don't know, it, it's available and I take it. And then I don't take Zetia. I take uh, a shot called Rapatha. But listen, if your numbers are good and you're doing it the way you're doing it, um, if you were my patient, and I'm not telling you what to do, I have a saying. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right? Yeah. Okay, well, I just thought I'd run that by you, and I don't know if you'd heard of that particular No, topic. but I tell you, uh, I have some people who have bad side effects that I could attribute. I mean, you know, most side effects that people think are from uh, cholesterol medications aren't. Uh, yeah. They're, you know, psychological or whatever. But I had someone who couldn't take a statin. Right. And I put them on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of the lowest dose yeah. of five milligrams of Crestor. And they tolerated it along with a, a vitamin called CoQ10. And their cholesterol came down. So listen, whatever you're doing, if your doctor says that your numbers are good and you're doing well with it, then listen to your doctor. Because then if it ain't broke, right. don't fix it. Thank you, Bob. Uh, am I hardwired to store fat? I think so. You think I am? Yeah. So everybody knows people who eat and eat and eat on yes. skinny as rails and yes. fat. You know, being underweight significantly is a significant health problem. Well, new research finally agrees with Weefy that if you are heavy, you should not be fat shamed. You should not feel guilty. Because people who are heavy, on the most part, are genetically predisposed to be heavy. Okay. They don't exactly know why, but it may be that your body allows certain bacteria to grow into your gut that chop up all the carb- carbs that you eat in and turn them, in, turn them into simple sugars, yeah. and then your body immediately stores them as fat. Now, people who believe in evolution say, why is that evolutionarily advantageous. Mm -hmm. Why did we develop this way? Because there wasn't always grocery stores. There wasn't always meat markets with tons of food. There wasn't always Pringles on every shelf. We went through periods when we were, you know, back in 40,000 years ago, feast and Mm -hmm. famine. Mm -hmm. So when you had a lot of food, you had to store it as energy because there may not be food three months from now. And so there was a genetic uh, predisposition for some of our ancestors to store a lot of fat. Now, what does this mean? It means that a lot of times you will diet and diet and diet, and you still won't lose lose weight. Talk to your doctors about obesity as a medical condition, not that you're a bad person or that you're a glutton. Um, There are gluttons who are skinny. There are gluttons who are very heavy. Now, the people who are a thousand pounds, okay? And, you know, there's there are people yeah. who are a thousand pounds. They are predisposed to gain weight, but they also eat 7,000 calories a day. Sure. Okay, that's impossible without being, you know, uh, calorie um, overloaded. Right. But go to your doctor and talk to them as a medical condition. And if you are severely obese, there is a procedure that works. 
It's called gastric bypass surgery. And this is Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.